Great Babylon came in remembrance before God. The fall of Great Babylon is one of the most marvelous events of the closing days of the tribulation period. It is probably the greatest event that prepares the setting for the grand climax of the entire book of Revelation, which we'll find in chapter 19, that is the arrival of the armies of heaven led by the Lord Jesus Christ and the arrest of the Antichrist and the false prophet, followed by the complete destruction of the earth's armies. If you'll read your Bible closely, you'll find that there is more said in the scriptures about Babylon and her fall than about perhaps any other great secular occurrence anywhere. We have seen that Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth, was destroyed at the middle of the tribulation period by the kings of the earth after the beast or the Antichrist was raised from the dead and came in full power as world empire. But the city of Babylon, which became the capital city of the Antichrist and seat of all idolatrous worship, from which Satan spread over the entire earth his new religion of direct worship of himself, does not come in remembrance before God until the seventh angel pours out his bowl of wrath into the air. According to Revelation 16, 17, 21, we are told that when the cities of the nations fell, great Babylon came in remembrance before God. It does not say that of any other cities, wicked as they are, that they came in remembrance before God. But Babylon comes in remembrance before God because what began in Genesis under Nimrod is fulfilled and consummated in Revelation in the city of Babylon. In other words, Satan at Babel attempted to produce the seed of the serpent and establish through Nimrod his abominable branch, the worship of himself under the veil of idolatry. And Babylonian idolatry has permeated the entire race from the face of the earth with demon worship. And now, in the latter part of the reign of the Antichrist, it has again become the seat of the most heinous, diabolical, and most wicked form of idol worship, the worship of the Antichrist, with his image enthroned in every shrine throughout the entire earth. No wonder she comes in remembrance before God. No wonder the Lord Jesus Christ himself comes down crying, Babylon is fallen! Babylon is fallen! No wonder the Father cries, Come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins, and that ye receive not of her plagues, for her sins have reached unto heaven, and God hath remembered her iniquities. The destruction of Babylon is compared with only one other great judgment that God met out, and that was the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. We are told in Genesis 18 that the Lord said, Listen, because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grievous, I'll go down now and see whether they have done all together according to the cry of it which is come unto me. And if not, I will know the cry of the sin of Sodom went up to high heaven, and Sodom came in remembrance before God. So also the cry 
of the sin of Babylon reached unto heaven, and she came into remembrance before God. Let me tell you, my friend, sin must be punished or cleansed. If you do not turn to the Lord Jesus Christ in repentance, then your sins, like Cain's, will cry unto the Lord for vengeance. The sins of this city, wallowing in all of its wickedness and covetousness, are crying unto the Lord for vengeance. Now let me make it personal. Your sin, you sitting there before your radio, you who read this message in print, Your sins are crying under God for vengeance, and you will come in remembrance before God because of your wickedness. You ever stop to think of that? Now laugh at it, if you will. Go on, make fun of it. What happens when the sins of Babylon come in remembrance before God? In that 18th chapter, in the 6th verse, listen. Reward her even as she rewarded you. Double under her double, according to her works. In the cup which she hath filled, fill to her double. Now, why does the Lord God say double unto her double? According to her works. Listen. How much she hath glorified herself and lived deliciously, that is, luxuriously. So much torment and sorrow give her. For she saith in her heart, I sit a queen and am no widow and shall see no sorrow. Here we see proud Babylon living luxuriously, deliciously, sitting as a queen, steeped in sin, idolatry, covetousness, greed, gain, wealth, pleasure, self-will, godless, Christless, worshiping Satan. Therefore, God says of this city, double under her double. Here, the judge is pronouncing the judgment, the punishment to be executed. If you'll turn to Isaiah, the 40th chapter, and the first two verses, we might get some light on it. When he cries out, Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, saith your God. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem, and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished. Get this now. And that her iniquity is pardoned, for she hath received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. You know, the Lord Jesus Christ on Calvary's cross paid double for the sins of his people. Where sin abound, grace did much more abound. In other words, the Lord Jesus Christ, when paying for our sin debt to justice, paid twice what justice demands. Therefore, there can be no doubt. There can be no gainsaying by justice, by the law, by Satan, by the world, that the believer's sins have been doubly paid for. He who has abundantly pardoned, forgiven, and therefore the Lord Jesus Christ can say, I will never, never, no, never forsake you. He can say there is nothing that can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Why? Because your sins have been doubly paid for. This is the basis of real comfort to the child of God. Dear to my heart, there is no chance for the believer the born-again one, the one washed in the blood of Christ, to ever be brought back into the court of justice to be tried or condemned on account of his sins. This truth is taught throughout the Scripture. Let's transfer this same picture to Babylon, the city of abominations, idolatry, fornication, the worship of Satan, the city that through its systems of idolatry has murdered, massacred, killed, slain, martyred, 
and spilt the blood of the prophets and saints throughout all the centuries because they have hated them and their testimony. And they still do it today and will continue to do it until Babylon comes in remembrance before God. When she does and when God steps forth and gives his orders and cries that Babylon is fallen, is fallen, he'll render her double for all her works just as the believer receives double of the grace of God in the forgiveness of sins or to set forth the contrast as given in the scriptures when Jerusalem under the pardoning grace of the Lord Jesus Christ is ready to be comforted. He shall step forth to reign over his people and shall say, I met out to Jerusalem double grace and her sins are pardoned. On the other hand, he'll render unto Babylon the city of the Antichrist, Christ, double for all her sins. Do you see the contrast, my friends? It is the difference of being under the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and redeemed by his blood and being under the curse and wrath of a sin-avenging God who knows no mercy. One is double grace. The other is double wrath. The one is double mercy. The other is double judgment. Now, brother, that's true. You may raise the question, what's the reason for this? <clears throat> one is the Son of God. The other is the Son of Satan. One is the Christ. The other is the Antichrist. One is the seed of the woman. The other is the seed of the serpent. Then one is the bride of the Son of God. The other is the harlot wife, the Antichrist. Again, it shows God's unlimited love for his beloved, for his children. A love that passeth knowledge. A love that knows no bounds. On the other hand, it shows his fierce hatred of sin and Satan, his arch enemy, and false worship, a false bride, and the seed of idolatry. You see the contrast? Are you under grace or under the curse of God? When Babylon comes in remembrance before God, her destruction is sudden. Listen to it. Revelation 18.8. Therefore shall her plague come in one day, death and mourning and famine, and she shall be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord God who judgeth her. We see standing out in this verse the utter hatred that God has for Babylon, the seat of idolatry, the cesspool of hell. In one day she'll be destroyed. In one day death, mourning, and famine shall stalk that city under the judgment of the sixth angel in Revelation 16, 12. The waters of the Euphrates River are dried up as Babylon will be rebuilt on the Euphrates River. This will result in the failure of her water supply. Just think of the corruption and filth and decay and death that will be left behind to be endured by the inhabitants of that land. Also, Scripture says she shall be Utterly burned with fire. You've often heard me make this statement. Are you utterly lost? Are you utterly lost? You'll not be saved until you're utterly lost. God says here she shall be utterly burned with fire, which means that she'll not only be burned, but she'll be burned utterly, completely, absolutely destroyed with fire. Isaiah tells us that she'll be destroyed in one day. Like Sodom and Gomorrah, God rained fire and brimstone from the heaven upon those cities 
and then opened up the earth and swallowed him up. So it will be with Babylon. He'll rain fire and brimstone upon her, then open up the earth and swallow her up completely. The side of the city will become one smoking furnace. Not only will he destroy the city itself, but according to Jeremiah 50, 31, 32, all the countryside, our suburban era, shall be destroyed in like manner. Just like not God not only destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, but destroyed the whole plain. When God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, he rained fire and brimstone upon her. He opened up the earth and let her sink down into the pit. The Dead Sea is a living memorial to the judgment of God. It is 1,300 feet below sea level. In like manner will God destroy Babylon, because Jeremiah 51, 42 says, The sea is come upon Babylon. She is colored with the multitude of the waves thereof. Now get this, listen. In other words, the city will sink. The water will flow in from the Persian Gulf to cover the old site of Babylon. And now you get this truth, and no doubt it will remain throughout the millennial reign of Christ on earth as a memorial to the judgment of God upon idolatry. I want to tell you, my friend, God hates idol worship. I don't care what form it takes. Idolatry is witchcraft, and behind every idol is a demon. Jehovah God, speaking of this time in Deuteronomy, said they provoked him to jealousy with strange gods, with abominations provoked by him to anger. They sacrificed unto devils, not to God. The word devils there means spoiler or destroyer. So you'll, if you'll study your Bible, you'll find that throughout Holy Writ, God expresses his anger and manifests his wrath against idolatry, against strange gods, against new gods that came newly up. Verse 17, which renders to the last days, which refers to the last days of the tribulation period. Let me say again with all the emphasis of my soul, God hates idolatry. And that is the reason he cries out, Render unto Babylon double for double. In the cup which she hath filled, fill to her double. For all her iniquities and abominations and idolatries and fornications. As Babylon goes down under the strong hand of the Lord God who judgeth her, Revelation 18.8, she leaves the kings of the earth who committed fornication with her and who lived deliciously with her, wailing and lamenting her as they stand afar off and behold the smoke of her burning. Alas, alas, that great city Babylon, that mighty city, for in one hour is thy judgment come. They see the riches, the wealth of that city going up in smoke and down in ashes and then buried in the briny deep. They're not only wailing for the inhabitants, they care nothing for the souls of men, but only for the tra commerce, the trade. They say, isn't it a shame to see the beauty of the city, the great buildings, all the work of man's hands, the banks, the places of exchange, the streams of commerce flowing in and out of that great city, all go down in silence, and great Babylon is covered with the waves of destruction. Then in verse 11, we see the merchants of the earth weeping over Babylon, saying, no man buyeth her merchandise anymore. What a shame that all the gold and silver, precious stones, pearls, the silk, the fine linen and scarlet, all the merchandise of wood, ivory, vessels of precious wood, brass, iron and marble, all the spices and ointments, frankincense and perfumes are now buried beneath the burning furnace. They lament the saloons, their parlors, 
the wineries, the oil, the great warehouses of food, the stockyards of beast and sheep were all destroyed with every type of traveling vehicle. Then he mentioned slaves and souls of men. They grieve that they have lost all their possessions, all their slaves, their houses of prostitution and pleasures. My friend, that's the life of man today. That's your life. If you do not know Christ, your security is wrapped up in things. You think in terms of gold and silver. Your security is in stocks and bonds or in your bank account or savings. You think that life consists of those things. But when you die, six foot of ground makes us all just alike. When the day of judgment comes, you'll stand weeping and wailing and mourning over the loss of all those things that your soul lust after because there'll be a complete loss. It's all going down. Listen to the word of God. Listen to the word of God. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also, the works that are therein shall be burned up. It's appointed unto man once to die. And after this, the judgment. You know what my motto is? For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if you live for pleasure, then to die will be lost. If you live for money, to die will be lost. If you live for pleasure, to die will be lost. If you can only write gain after, or to me to live is Christ. I've never known a believer to face death and eternity that ever regretted knowing Christ. But I have stood by the bedside of dying people who did not know Christ, and every last one of them said to me, Preacher, warn people that, that die without Christ is to lose everything. Yet you won't listen to me. You're so deaf, you'll not hear. You're so blind, you will not see. You're so self-willed that you will not believe God's word. These merchants of the earth are great businessmen. They're great industrialists and great financiers. They see all their wealth go down. They say, what a shame. They stand there weeping and wailing when the banks, the commerce, the exchange, all the showhouses, everything they have is swallowed up in the flames of destruction. They have nothing left. They don't, my friends. And saying to each other, alas, and alas, that great city that was clothed in fine linen and purple and scarlet and decked with precious stones and pearls in one hour, so great riches is come to naught. That wailing is heard around the earth. Yet they do not realize that everything is under the judgment of God and is crashing now as the Lord God of heaven is stepping forth to take over the kingdoms of this world. My friends, you don't realize that you're under the judgment of a sin-avenging God. I would you did. I would you did. And that you cannot, your security is not in things, it must be in Christ to endure. These kings, merchants, and seamen are standing afar off, that is, beholding the destruction at a great distance. The city of Babylon is going down under the wrath of God as the armies of the earth are gathering at Jerusalem under the leadership of the Antichrist and the kings and the military forces of the world to meet the Lord Jesus Christ as he comes from heaven's glory, riding upon the white stallion with the armies of heaven. They're so blinded, they're so deceived by Satan and the Antichrist that they do not know that they're standing on the verge of doom. They cannot realize that judgment 
is so near, they cannot realize that all the great cities of the nations are crumbling and falling at that moment into utter ruin, and that the inhabitants are being slain by the Midians while they wait at Jerusalem in the land of Megiddo with the Antichrist to meet the Son of God. They still think they can conquer. That's the way you're thinking, my friend. The world is collapsing around us right now. But deep down in your heart, you still think that you can conquer. You're so self-willed. You're so blinded and deceived by the God of this world that you cannot realize that you're standing on the verge of doom. If our gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost, blinded by the God of this world. Judgment is waiting. Hell from beneath is moving for thee to meet the thy coming. And yet you still stand there and laugh and joke and make fun, still believing you can conquer. But you're going down under the wrath of a sin-avenging God, never to rise again, because you do not know Christ. If you're not saved, you're part of this world order. You're part of Satan's satanic world system. And therefore, you're under the judgment of God. May God open your heart. May he open your eyes. May you see yourself as you are. May you be made to cry for mercy. That will change. God will grant you repentance and deliver you out of the tomb of death, the power of Satan, and translate you in the kingdom of his dear son. The grief of these kings, merchants, and financiers is so great that they're weeping and crying and wailing. They put dust on their heads and cry, Alas, alas, that great city, wherein were made rich all that had ships on the sea, by reason of her costliness, for in one hour is she made desolate. You can't conceive the despair when security is snatched from the hands of men and women. They find their wealth, their money, their property, their earthly possessions are all gone, and they're stripped of everything earthly, their security gone, their hope gone. There rises from the very depths of their souls one wailing cry, trying to reach that which is fled from them, trying to recall that which they have lost. That's the world. That's the unsaved. That's not the life of a believer. The believer says, The Lord giveth, and the Lord taketh. Blessed be the name of the Lord. My security is Christ, cries the believer. My hope is the crucified one who is alive forevermore. My security rests in him who died for me, who was buried and rose again for my justification. He's my surety. He's my hope. He's my riches. He's my wealth. My hope is in him. Do you see the difference, my friend? Where do you stand? What is your security? What is your hope? Huh? Where do you stand? Oh, I wish I could somehow uh, see, make you see it. Because I have dealt with thousands and tens of thousands of men and women. Those who held to their uh, earthly possessions and grasping after them. That was their security. Then those who know Christ, no matter what comes, what goes, my hope, my hope is built on him. My hope rests in him. My hope is Christ. That's our security. We have looked upon the earth, the scene of the fall of Babylon, and seen how the kings and the great financiers of the businessmen, the merchants, the traders, the seamen have all bewailed her destruction. But let's look at another scene briefly. This scene is laid in heaven among the redeemed. There comes a voice out of heaven saying, Rejoice over her, thou heaven, and ye holy apostles and prophets, for God hath avenged you on her. This voice addresses all the inhabitants of heaven, all the redeemed. I think it's the voice of the Father or the voice of the Lord Jesus. It addresses all the holy apostles who have been martyred, 
because we are told that the blood of the saints and the blood of the murders of Jesus have been found in her when it addresses all the prophets who through the centuries have cried out against idolatry and idol worship and who have been put to death because they took their stand for the true God and the true worship. The voice is crying out saying, Rejoice! For heaven, for God hath avenged you on her. Let me tell you something, friend. Will you listen? Every saint of God that's been put to death has been put to death through the ages because they cried out against false worship and against idolatry and idol worship. Listen. But I can also pray for the vengeance of God upon reprobates who blocked the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We also find this as a fulfillment of the prayer of the martyrs who were slain under the fifth seal, Revelation 16. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on earth? Then the Lord said unto them that they should rest a little while, a little season, until thy fellow servants and thy brethren should be killed as they are were should be fulfilled. Here that promise is fulfilled and God says, Rejoice! Rejoice! I've avenged you on earth. Brother, we can rejoice in the vengeance of God as well as in the mercy of God. I can rejoice when God reaches down and saves a poor lost sinner. But there's also rejoicing when God reaches down and puts out of the way a reprobate. Whether he be in the pulpit on the throne who is blocking the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and takes him out of the way either by natural death or by an accident, we say, I can. You say, well, you're not a Christian, I am. You don't, you don't know what the Bible teaches. 